It is so good to have each and every one of you. If you are visiting with us this morning, let me just give you a, a real big welcome. It's wonderful to have you as a part of our church family here on this Thanksgiving. Um, there's so much that we can be grateful for, uh, for what God has been doing in our lives and in our, in our church family here. And uh, it was very good to be able to hear from Jack and Alex. Thank you so much for sharing uh, the things that God has been doing in your heart. Isn't it good to be able to hear how God has worked, um, the, the blessing that God has been at different times in different places with different people? Um, this morning I want to, as I was thinking about what, uh, what the Lord would have for us this morning, I was uh, taken to Philippians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible... Let me encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. We do have a bunch of Bibles on the side here, and uh, there's also other information if, uh, about the, the church that's set up over there, and some, uh, some books and things like that. Actually, there's yeah, a bunch of things, so makes, make yourself at home. Actually, I just noticed uh, Leslie had put out the uh, Samaritan's Purse shoebox, the Operation Christmas Child program through Samaritan's Purse. There's some boxes there, so we're back into that season. Uh, Leslie, where are you? There you are. Do you know the date of when it's got to be in by? Collection week is November 13th and 19th, and that's still at the Baptist Church? Okay, so you'll be able to bring them here, and we'll take them over there, or if you don't get it in here and you want to take it directly over to the Baptist Church, you can take them over. Um, there will be more information as we progress through shoebox season, but uh, they're out and they're ready to start going. So um, you, can, you can be blessed with that. So um, yeah, we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I just want to read a, a couple of verses here, verse 11 to 13. This is uh, part of uh, Paul's letter to the Philippian church. And, and this is the section as he's wrapping up. He is acknowledging their gift that they have given to him uh, in, in support. Paul is in prison at this point. And, uh, and so the Philippians have had an opportunity to be able to gather up an offering and a gift to be able to send uh, over to Paul so that they could help support his needs. That was part of the deal. If you were in a Roman prison, um, there wasn't a, 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 the, the prison had no responsibility to feed you or clothe you or any of those kinds of things. You needed to get that support yourself. And so um, that was one of the ways that the Philippians helped out Paul. And so this is part of his letter where he's acknowledging that. Um, but in the middle of that thank you, he's got this, uh, these verses for us. So starting at verse, uh, verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing both plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You see, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. 
Contentment in every circumstance is not easy to pull off. I think we can all acknowledge that, that when, when resources are few, when, when the pantry is empty, um, it's tough to be content in those situations. Uh, but I think something that Paul is saying here is important for us to recognize as well is that, that even when we are in a position, a place of abundance, we can still struggle with contentment. As, as I've been thinking about this, I, I remember back when I was a kid, I, I didn't grow up in, in a well-to-do family. We, we weren't poor, um, but, but there certainly were. My parents had to do a lot of different things within our lives, within our family, in order to make sure that there was enough for us each month. And so they would put different boundaries and stuff for us so that we would make sure we weren't blowing the family budget. One of those, one of those parameters for our family, this is kind of a silly thing, but came at the Advent season. In the four weeks prior to Christmas, the four Sundays prior to Christmas, my parents would allow us to have one Christmas orange on Advent Sunday. That was it. There, was, there would be like, you, for those of you that are at my age, you remember the box of the corrugated box with all the individually wrapped with the green paper around them, the, the Christmas oranges? That was a huge treat to have that in our family. But they would sit there down in the pantry just tormenting us because you couldn't eat them until the first Sunday, first Advent Sunday, and then you could only have one. I got really, really good at carefully opening up those mandarin oranges, peeling them all so there wasn't any chance of, of, of losing any of the orange on the, on the peel at all. I wanted to get all of it. And I would then take each one of those orange segments. I had this whole pattern where if you, if you take an orange segment and at the narrow end just kind of bite along the top and chew that off, you can, you can actually peel back the skin from around the orange segment and get all of those little teeny juicy citrusy cells all exposed. And I would be very careful in pulling that skin back on each one of those segments and then slowly eating each one, biting into those little cells of, of citrus magic that would just explode in your mouth. And, and that orange would last me for hours. I would take my time and enjoy every moment on every Advent Sunday, enjoying those oranges. But then came Christmas Eve. And, and in all of our care and protection of those oranges, Christmas Eve was a night to splurge where mom and dad said, you can eat as many Christmas oranges as you want it. 
oh, was that good news. So on Christmas Eve, after the church service, we would come home, gather around the tree, and the oranges would be flying. We were like a bunch of jolly drunks during happy hour. We'd be, another round for my friends. Everybody's eating oranges. And we would be going through, ripping apart those oranges. Sometimes we didn't even get all of the peel off before we shoved them into our face and chewed as many as we possibly could. There were often four or more cases of, or, of, <clears throat> of oranges that we would go through just on Christmas Eve night. There was more than one Christmas Eve where I went to bed with a pail beside me <laughs> because my stomach could not handle all of the oranges that I had stuffed in. And, and often on Christmas morning, I would have a bit of an orange hangover. Um, we have pictures where <laughs> I did not look very healthy, quite green, because I had eaten far, far too many. See, we had, we had learned to do need really well. We could savor and, and, and take advantage of every bit of goodness all of those weeks that we could only have the one. But when it came, came time to the plenty, we lost all control. We didn't handle abundance well at all. Paul here is talking about how he has learned the secret for handling both abundance and need. What is that secret? Well, I think... It is in verse 13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Paul recognized that in his own strength, in his own ability, in his own worldview, that he, he didn't have what it took to be able to live well with both plenty and with abundance. He, there was, there was a, a, a character flaw within him um, that didn't allow him. And, and in order for him to, to be able to handle both of those scenarios, he needed to look to God who would give him the strength to be able to handle all of that. You know, as we look around at our world today and we see all the different worldviews that are all out there, whether those are uh, what you would call religious worldviews, uh, different, different world religions in the way that they uh, approach life, the answers that they provide to life, or, or even those that are secular worldviews that 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 would reject any kind of a divine presence a divine intervention within the the day-to-day -day life of humanity um, but instead they they create their own answers to life of how to live well within that that atheist secular worldview i i think in all of those situations there is there are attempts to be able to 
to describe how one lives well in plenty and abundance. But none of them, none of them deal with the real problem. That, that we in and ourselves don't have what it takes to be able to respond to those different circumstances. There are some who, who uh, different worldviews that, that would suggest that, that if, if there's a possibility of you to detach yourself from desire, that, that if, you can, if you can stop yourself from wanting anything, that that will lead you to a place of enlightenment where you will be able to, to deal well with whatever circumstance you might fit in. Because if you don't want anything, then you don't, you don't feel a, a need when there is little. And if you don't want for something, there, there isn't a need for, for when you have plenty. There's not a, a, an overindulgence in those times when you have plenty because there is no desire for those things anyway. It falls apart, though, because it tears at the very fabric of, of who we are as humans. That detachment from desire includes our care and our concern for families. And oftentimes with, those, with that kind of a worldview, especially those that have reached higher levels of, a, of, of enlightenment, it has resulted in them separating themselves completely from their family. Some might even suggest abandoning their family in order to continue to pursue that detachment, in order for them to be able to detach themselves completely from desire and to reach a level of, of enlightenment. There are other worldviews that would, would put rules in place of, of how you need to be generous. If it, the, the more generous that you are, the more that you give of good things to other people, the better able you will be to deal with both plenty or with abundance. And so they have rules and regulations that you need to follow in order to make sure that you're being appropriately generous to others. There are all kinds of great self-help books of how to be able to manage your finances, how to be able to, uh, to manage your expectations, to be able to, uh, some would even say, to, to vision what it is that you want so that you can then, if you can envision it, then you can create it yourself. There are all kinds of answers that people have out there for how to be able to, to deal with plenty and abundance. But all of them... All of them miss the reality that within ourselves, we just don't have that ability. That's what Paul is pointing out here. I can do all things through Him. That when I'm walking in my life in a relationship with Jesus Christ, when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding in my life, He will guide me to know how to be able to respond to whatever circumstance I might be in. Even in those times when I have little and He leads and guides me to be able to, to make the most of those resources 
to have the best impact on the, the people that are around me. He will guide me in how to be able to do that. There, you'll notice there isn't a, a list of rules and regulations that Paul says. He doesn't say, I know the secret, and it is first of all making sure that you create an effective budget for your for your life to be able to know exactly how many funds are coming in so that your funds coming in don't exceed your funds going out he doesn't do that he doesn't give us a whole bunch of rules and regulations about how to uh how to uh take advantage of of opportunities that are out there that that uh, somebody is is uh, uh, places where we can cut corners if we want and, and save a little bit of money here and there. His secret is that the only way that I can do all things is, before, is by focusing on Him who gives me strength. And that's what Jack and Alex were talking about. That, it, that, that in our own lives, when we try and do things in our own fashion, It all goes wrong. But when we rest in what Jesus is doing in our lives, when we trust that He has a plan and a purpose and we follow, He will lead us into that place where we can uh, be content whether we have plenty or much. He is the one who supplies. I think that's also part of that secret that Paul is talking about. It's not only to recognize that I don't have it within me, that I need to look outside of myself for the answer. But it is also a recognition that, that God is the supplier of all things. He is the almighty creator who has created this universe, who spoke and it was that there isn't any limit to the resources that he has available to him or the resources that he is able to pour into our lives. And so whether we have plenty or we have little, it's not because God is somehow limited in what he is able to provide for us. Or at the other side, that God is somehow supplemented by my own efforts to be able to create my own wealth or my own abundance in my own life. No, He is the supply of it all. And He allows us to have exactly what it is that we need in order to be able to know Him best, to be able to live out His plans and purposes for us best, so that we can shine the light of Jesus in this world in the best way possible. And for some people, that might be that they need abundance in order to be able to do that. But that's what God has called them to. And there are others that God has called to need, to scarcity. And it's out of their limited resources that they are able to, to have the greatest impact for the kingdom of heaven on this world. So Paul's secret is, is that I know that it's, I don't have it within me. I need to look outside of myself in order to live well with plenty or with abundance. But it's also a recognition that God will supply everything that I need. So I can trust Him. So whether I have plenty, I know that that's what He's given me to be able to use for His kingdom. Not for my own pleasure, not for my own purposes, but for what He has called me to. 
If I have little, then that's exactly what I need in order to be able to carry out his plans and purposes for my life. This is best done in an attitude of thanksgiving. Let's just go back a little bit here to an earlier part of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and, and let's, uh, let's start reading in verse 6. This is a familiar verse to many of you, I'm sure. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, another word for that would be, and the contentment of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, I know people that have very little. I know people that have a whole lot at both ends of the spectrum. There is equal opportunity for anxiety. Those that don't have are anxious about trying to get more. Those that do have are anxious about losing what they have. And what Paul is, is challenging us to do is to just trust. Trust that God will supply all that you need. And when we do that with thanksgiving, with thankfulness, with gratitude in our heart, it helps change our perspective. See, when we are being thankful for what we have, we recognize that it's not I that's supplying it. It's again bringing us to that place of recognize who is the supplier of all that I do have. It, it, it helps change my focus so I'm, not, so I'm not overwhelmed by the negative things that are going on in my life, but I see all of the positive, all of the blessings that God has brought into my life. And even from a, a secular psychologist's point of view, that, that helps release serotonin in your body and there will be a, a greater or, or a more positive outlook on life as you are focusing on being thankful. But it also helps orient our eyes and our heart and our attention on what what needs to be our central focus, which is Christ. He has a plan. He is working in my life. And so I, as I am thankful, I'm, I'm reminded that I need to be looking to Him to supply, to lead, to guide, and to accomplish, to empower me to carry out what He has called me to do in this day. Let me challenge you on this weekend that, that, that we as a, 
a nation focused on giving thanks. To once again take the time to to reorient yourself of, of, of remembering that whatever your circumstances are, whatever the situation the Lord has placed you in, to remember that, that Christ has a plan for you and He will empower you to carry out that plan perfectly. To remember that He is the supplier of all that you need and all that you have. And so to, to cultivate that, that attitude of, of gratefulness, that heart of thanksgiving, it says, thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for the good things that I have in my life. I thank you for the ways that you are carrying me through the difficulties of my life. Thank you for the ways that, that you are using both good and difficult, both abundance and need to shape me into the person that you need me to be in order to carry out your purposes in this world, to be able to be an effective witness and a testimony to the rest of the world out there, to be able to know you as you truly are. And as we as a people cultivate that attitude of thankfulness, of thanksgiving, that we would then carry that through all of our days, that we would, we would remind ourselves of Paul's secret of being content every day, not just on Thanksgiving, and that we would be able to walk in the confidence of, of his provision, of his plan, and his empowering in our life. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful, I'm grateful for Paul's help in understanding the secret of contentment. I thank you that, that my ability to be, to be content, to live in that place, doesn't come from within me, but comes from you at work within me. I thank you for, for the ways that you have supplied throughout my life. I thank you for those times when, looking back, I, I see those difficult circumstances that you carried me through, that, that you had a plan and a purpose, and, and I am grateful for those hardships for those hurts, for those times when I was taken advantage of. Because it, it brought me to the place of better understanding who you are and how I need you in every aspect and every moment of my life. God, would you raise us up to be people of thankfulness? That we would have an, uh, we would have a mind and a heart that would be focused on you and giving giving gratitude to you for all of your supply, for all of your leading and all of your guiding. Lord, I pray that if there are any that are here today that haven't discovered for themselves uh, the the blessing of your salvation that 
that today would be that day. That, that, that your Spirit would be working on their hearts and helping them to recognize that, that they don't have it within themselves to, to live well before you, but instead that, that they can trust in your supply to live life well. That, that they can trust in your grace to cleanse them of their sin. That, that you, you have provided the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty for their sin and they can now live a life free from sin and from anxiety and can live in your peace and your contentment. Thank you for what you, what you are doing in each and every one's heart here this, this morning. Lord, I, just as we're here with our heads bowed, I know many here are concerned about the events that are going on in the promised land, in the land of your people Israel. We live in a time where it's so difficult to know what is true and what is deception. But Lord, our hearts break for for all of those innocent people who are being um, injured, who are being whose lives are being snuffed out, who have experienced loss and, and attack. God, I, I don't understand. Uh, reading the end of your book, we know that 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 the world will come against Israel, and 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 in that, that they will seek out your face. And Lord, we pray for that right now. We pray for the leaders of Israel that they would seek out your salvation in their lives, that, that as a nation, Israel would return to you and, and receive you as, as the, the Messiah that you are. I don't know if these are the days that that will happen, but Lord, we do pray for your peace and your protection. We pray for those that are suffering right now. We ask for your comfort on them. Pray that you would intervene on those that have evil intent, that are, are corruptly trying to manipulate power, that are, are feeling like they can uh, um, move the, the, the needle of, of power and influence in this world through violence, through deception, through whatever. Pray, God, that you would, that you would hold them back you would keep them from taking advantage of hurting and, and killing others. Once again, we thank you for the peace of our land and the, the freedom that we have to meet like this, to, to worship and praise you. We recognize that that's not the case for many of our brothers and sisters around the world and we don't want to take that for granted, God. So we th say thank you for that. Thank you for uh, this time, this weekend, that we can gather with family, that we can 
uh, be thankful for all of the good things that you've done in our lives. We pray that you'd be moving in our households, not only within our households, Lord, but that you would then use us to carry that heart of thankfulness into our world and into our community. And we can be agents of your hope, of your peace, of your forgiveness, of your love in people's lives. We thank you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alex has a song that he wants to sing to us. Is this one of the songs that you have written? Yeah, wonderful. It is. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank Jesus today because I just love Jesus. He made a way for me. Someday I'm going to meet him someday. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I believe that you died for me on that cross. Well, you paid it all. Now I'm free. Oh, so free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 you died for me on the cross where you paid it all now I'm free oh so free thank you Jesus thank you Lord hallelujah 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 You died for me on the cross where you paid it all. Now I'm free, oh so free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. What a gift it is to sing praises to our God. So as everything is detached and you prepare to return to your homes and celebrate with family members, doing whatever you're going to do, let me leave you with these words from Colossians 3. Paul is in prison, and yet he gives us this exhortation starting at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving. 
in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So go with God, go in the peace and joy of God, enjoy your thanksgiving. If you have time, stick around and share some moments of thanksgiving with one another. Have a wonderful day.